0: As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Okay. Full screen. Yes, We did it. We're doing it. Okay. Molly, thank you so much for taking an hour of your day. I know you're a busy fucking woman. You're a professional, you're working, you're doing all the things and you're on the East coast right now. I am.
1: Yes. It is a beautiful rainy New York uh, day. And uh, yeah. How long have you been in the, in the city? Um, I got here um, at middle of July.
0: Oh, okay. So you've been there for a minute.
1: Yeah, I've been here for a minute and yeah. I love it. I love the East Coast.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm so jealous. I love the East Coast too, but I haven't been to New York since the pandemic. So like I am unsure, like some people are like, oh, it's different or like, no, it's the same. Like, how do you feel about it?
1: You know, I don't, um, I don't notice anything different. My dad was actually just in town and he lives in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, most places, a lot of people are still wearing masks. So he said that was something that he noticed that was different in Colorado, which is more spread out. So, Mm -hmm. um, um, and also everybody's on top of each other here. So I think people are still trying to be as safe as they can. Yeah. Um, I don't really I, notice anything different. I mean,
0: people here aren't really wearing masks that much anymore, I've noticed. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that they are in New York, but I guess that makes sense because it's pretty condensed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not, I mean, I say that loosely. Like my dad and I saw a show last night and I maybe like 10 people in the audience were wearing a mask.
0: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what? what sh- wait, what show did you see?
1: We saw Some Like It Hot. Was it good? It was so good. <sighs> no, it wasn't like anything, you know crazy sure. like strange loop which was just the, this groundbreaking thing but it was a beautiful fun everybody and it was wonderful I loved the movie with Marilyn obviously so mm-hmm. it was a fun like campy Broadway night
0: I love that that's like the sometimes that's just what you need you know you don't need to like be all in your head about the show you can just yeah. like, plug in take it at face value and have a good time
1: yep yep you can either go see like Moulin Rouge you know or Wicked mm-hmm. or something or you can see something like August Wilson play like it's just that's what I love about
0: the city though it's the best
1: mood for you can you
0: know truly the best before we hit record we were talking about anxiety and I was like yeah man I have talked to so many people lately who are just like what the fuck are we doing what's the point I don't feel good I don't like this country I I feel bad about what's just going on in the world right now and like she, this particular person was like you know and t- like before the pandemic like I cared about like my career and like you know she's like obviously I still care about like my friends and my loved ones but like professionally I'm just kind of like I don't fucking care anymore mm-hmm. um and you were mentioning being anxious and so like I wanted to just like chat about it as much as you feel comfortable chatting yeah
1: about it. listen I'm an open book also I mean mental health is one of my biggest that something so close to my heart and I'm um, trying to destigmatize. you know I think the more we all talk about not being okay the easier it is to open up to loved ones and I really yeah. wish when I was growing up I saw more people talk about it because then I think you know I wouldn't have felt so alone yeah um, so what I was telling you before is that I um I knew we had I was really looking forward to talking to you on this podcast and all morning, all day, I've been so anxious that I almost messaged you and was like, Hey, would you kill me if we reschedule? Cause I just feel so like, you know, like crying and all kinds of just crazy emotional stuff. And, um, but then I thought, no, maybe let's, maybe let's use
0: that. We could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about anxiety. It's like, you have to like, know when to push through it and then also or when to just like be like you know what I'm not doing this today and I need a day are you good at like distinguishing between those two things
1: uh I'm getting better at it I'm I'm one of those like head down you know uh push through you know um kind of people but I think one thing being in therapy has really helped me I've been therapy for like six six or seven years now Mm -hmm. um, is recognizing when that it's okay to be like you know what today i really can't i can't do it i'm just gonna sit on my couch i'm gonna read like my romance novel or whatever whatever i'm doing at the time um but also it's important sometimes to try and push through because then you can you know sometimes you get a good breakthrough when you do push through so just
0: being really aware of you know, higher feeling and your emotions. And- yeah, with with your anxiety, do you find it like related to specific things, or is it just an overall feeling of anxiety? No matter, it's not like situational.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's it's I have chemical anxiety, so um, sometimes it's based off of events. I I ruminate and I over process. Mm. Um, so I will um sometimes I'll have if some like little events can happen in my life that I will overanalyze and obsess about. Um, and then I'll have therapy and she'll be like, you, you, none of this is as scary as you've made it. Like I'm really good at grand making something greater than it is. But sometimes I just wake up and I feel shitty. And I think that's the chem- the chemical element of it. And the good thing with chemical anxiety, the good thing, the, the positive sure. part of it sometimes is that the more bouts you have of it, the, the more you can remind yourself that I've gone, I've gotten through this before and I'll do it again. And it's not forever. And that's, I think one of the cruelest tricks that mental health, that depression and anxiety and mania and all those things plays on us is that when you feel this way, your brain is really good at telling you that you're going to feel like this forever. And that's just not the
0: case. Yeah. That's so hard because it's like, so someone put it in this like metaphorical term, which is like, I might've been an old therapist actually, um, where it's like, if you zoom out, right. And like, get a little bit of perspective on it. You can remember all she's like, think of all the the things you've overcome or the anxiety moments that you've overcome. Think of those as like data points on mm-hmm. a grid. And it's like, you've, you can reference that and be like, oh yeah, I've done this. I've gone through this, this time and this time and this time and this time and this time. And, this time and I, so I know I can do it again. Yeah. Like when you're in the moment itself, it's so hard.
1: Yeah. Because you literally your brain, you could have gone through it fifty times. I've had through lots of depression and anxiety a hundred times. And mm-hmm. I've always through it. The only problem is sometimes it's never consistent, right? It's never like, okay, another three days of hell or like right. another week of hell. And then we'll get sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a couple hours, sometimes it's a week. One time it was like three months. And I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be like this forever. Um, and so that's the hardest part is that you never know how long it's gonna be around you just have to keep reminding yourself that it's not going to be forever you also have ocd or no um i don't have any diagnosed ocd in the in the traditional clinical sense
0: i have obsessive thoughts but i don't have the the compulsion element yeah me either i have like the obsessive thoughts too but they like i guess still diagnosed it as like ocd that's why you were talking and i was like that sounds like me um Yeah. yeah it's like the the ruminating or like thoughts, the thought spirals or whatever, like over and over and over. Yeah. And over. yeah, yeah it's like yeah, that yeah. obsessive thinking. Yeah. Um, Have you struggled with anxiety your whole life or is this like yeah. an adult thing? Yeah. Oh, My whole life. Okay. But
1: yeah. I, I get, when I was born, my parents, my dad said when I popped out, I was just like very much like, okay, let's get to work. Like I was yeah. such an anxious little child Um, that my fifth grade teacher called my dad in and said, you know, we're worried about Molly, and we're worried about her home life, like what's going on at home, and kind of insinuating that maybe my parents, like, were really hard on me, and they had no idea, my mom and dad are wonderful human beings, not without faults, we all got our shit, but they're wonderful parents, and I was just so anxious, and such a perfectionist, and I just had, you know, Mm. I popped out, and I was like, at five years old, I was like, I'm going to move to Hollywood and be a, be an actor. And my parents are like, that's weird at five, like go play with your friends. But (laughs) it's always been like very wound tight. Um, so no, the anxiety (laughs) has been there my whole life.
0: What's your sign? Are you Capricorn? No,
1: I'm a Taurus.
0: Oh, okay. 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 Um, that makes, I'm a Capricorn. That's why I'm like, Ah. do we have it in common? Um, so usually I start off the episodes by saying like, is there a moment in your life a low point um, that you are most, or an obstacle that you're most proud of overcoming. And it can be in your adolescent, like growing up or your teenager or as an adult, but like a moment that you were just like very, very low and you didn't think you could overcome it, but then you did. Is there a yeah. moment that you can think of?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's, I mean, yeah. Probably the most recent one was right before I booked Law & Order SVU. Okay. Um, And I remember I was- I was on the, the pandemic was still, you know, this was last, no, this was this year. This was in about May or June. I had already done Queen of the South. Like I had already been on a soap. Like I had found some success, um, financially able to for, pay all my bills with acting. So by all intents mm-hmm. and purposes, I was su- uh, successful. Yeah. Um, but I, I was going through one of my like more, uh, more severe depressive episodes and where your brain starts playing tricks on you and you start, you know, every actor, we all think like, we're not going to, it doesn't matter how many jobs you get, you always think oh, yeah. like last one where I'm not going to be able to work after this. Yep. Um, and I remember I was, I was sitting on the floor of my, at the time, boyfriend's house, um, just sobbing saying like, I'm going to move to Colorado and I'm going to be a kindergarten teacher. Like, I I just can't. I had a pipe burst in my house. So I was like $60,000 in debt from this crazy, my insurance wouldn't cover. It, it was like the, just all these crazy things were happening at once. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go be a kindergarten teacher. And, um, and I'm just going to have a simple, you know, not, not simple, but just a less dramatic, yeah, less highs and lows and ups and downs. And then, um, you know, obviously my, uh, this this job came about and changed my life and now i'm on the other side of the country um in a matter of you know that all, it all came and happened in about a month and a half so it's just crazy how fast life can change
0: um but i'm really proud of myself for just pushing through that that was that was tough yeah i, guess. I like just recently had that uh, that same exact thing where i'm like okay I'm gonna go back to school and be a therapist. I can't. I like this. You're right. It's just like the the high highs. There's high highs. There's low lows. There's like instability, and yeah, it's like it's it's hard being an artist of any of any capacity. Like I was talking to a music a musician. It's the same way for musicians. Like at the end of a tour, they're like, don't know if I'm gonna get another tour again. Yeah, it's, it's
1: the wild. most intense. is all entertainment industry, whether that's sports broadcasting or athletics or singing or acting or painting or whatever it is. Like there's such an element of uncertainty that you have to be so mentally tough for anybody that asks, what's your advice for being an insert whatever in the entertainment field. And it's really like, just make sure you love, you love this. You have to, you have to love this so much because you're going to go through so much that you have to continue to justify the Pain that you're going to go through to try and make your dreams come true and to try and create art that other people want to watch or listen to or see. Um, What did
0: you do in the moment that in that low chunk of time where you were upset and like considering um, moving back to Colorado? Like, what did you do on like a daily thing to make yourself feel okay? Or like, is there, did you, do you meditate? Is there a strategy? I know you said you go to therapy. But yeah. what did you do to like overcome that? Like in real time?
1: You know, um, every day was different. I work out a lot. I'm, I feel like the, um, uh, the endorphin hit from exercise is really, really important for me. Um, and it, it works out cause you know, in our industry, we gotta be in good shape. So it's kind of like a mutual beneficial thing. But, um, uh, one of the things that my dad always says to me is drink water. Um, because if you drink, you know, like two or three liters of water a day, you've at least done that at the very least. Even if you couldn't get out of bed, you've hydrated your body. And mm. so, you, you know, you've set your body up for success for the next day at the very least. So I try and drink a whole bunch of water that when I'm more anxious, the first thing I do is I drink a bunch of water. That's so that's smart. Kind
0: of silly, but I do feel like we overlook stuff like that, like the 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 more like simple, quote unquote, like simple stuff, like have you had water today or like have you eaten anything today and it's like that's like the baseline for for like feeling better right well, and it's just the simplest act
1: of self-care you can give yourself because even sometimes eating, if you're really anxious or you're depressed or whatever's whatever's happened, sometimes you can't even eat, but if you drink water, that's the, that's the easiest little self-care action you can give yourself. And so if that's your baseline, I feel like it makes everything seem less overwhelming of like, at least I drank water today. So that's,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It sounds like your dad gives like really- like really good advice. Um he
1: the most, he's been through the he's had the most insane life, just unbelievable amounts of tragedy. And that can either make a person shut down and become a, a menace, um, or a victim of their circumstances, or or you can, you know, continue to stay curious and grow and learn and and be a source of comfort and calm for other people that experience tragedy. And so that's that's what he's That's the lane that he's taken.
0: Yeah. What was, okay. So you grew up in Colorado with your mom and your dad. Do you have any siblings? Yes.
1: I have a little brother
0: who I love so much. Will, he's my best friend.
1: Um, and he lives in LA. He's holding the fort down. Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
0: So what was growing up in Colorado? Where in Colorado? And what was it like? Um, I, uh, I'm from Littleton.
1: Okay. So right outside of Denver, um most people are, uh, obviously know Littleton from Columbine, which, you know, uh was a traumatic event for all of us Littleton kids. Mm-hmm. But um uh it was it was beautiful. Colorado's stunning. Um sorry, you can hear all the ambulances from <laughs> It's the city baby. It's yeah, the
0: city baby. It's the city. Uh I can barely hear it. You're good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um uh it was great. You know, I I was a little weirdo so I would I got really bullied because I was just a little freak I, I wanted to be an actor so I would do community theater and I just I, I had a plan and I didn't know how to like go play and have fun I just had an end goal and so um, I had a really lovely childhood my mom and dad were, were wonderful um, uh, my brother and I um, <laughs> would mess with each other but we're close Um, so nothing, you know, nothing crazy.
0: Yeah. What was like, when did you, okay. So you decided to want to be an actor, like very, very early on. So how did that play out? Like, as you grew up in your education, like, did you pursue it in high school or did you go to college or what was that like?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I have a, um, I have a letter that my, (laughs) I have a letter. When I was 10, I wrote a letter, um, to like dear directors in Hollywood. And I said, you know, here's why you need to hire me. And I gave it to my mom and dad and said, you need to send this to the right people in LA. Um, and they're like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> so and where does this
0: come from? Does anyone in your family, are they in Hollywood no, at all, or show business? No.
1: no, literally no connection to anybody anywhere. Um, my dad, uh, was in a singing group called the Dr.
0: Pepperettes. Cool.
1: And they sang the first Dr. Pepper theme song, like the little jingle.
0: Isn't that, that so, is so rad? I love that. I bet there's like really sick photos of that somewhere.
1: Yes. Yes, the Domer sisters. They were super uh they that was super fun. But that's the only nobody else like I I I don't know if you've subscribed to reincarnation. I was um, literally just thinking that. I absolutely wasn't old, like I had to have, we think I was an old Broadway, like New York dame. Cause I, they took me to New York when I was 10 for my birthday and we stayed at the plaza. Like dad had had a good oil deal go through, obviously. Mm -hmm. We stayed at the plaza, we saw cats, like all kinds of fun stuff. But um, cities are, big cities are scary to kids. And apparently I was just crossing the street. I didn't, like I I had been there before. So
0: we think, you know, some kind of old have you done like a past life regression therapy ever before?
1: No, but I w- I would love to. I haven't done
0: it either, but I've talked to people on this podcast that have done it and were like, it was the craziest thing, but like, I believe it like all. So I would be so interested in you doing like a, pa- a past life regression yes. therapy session. Cause that would be very cool. Yes. Okay, I, love so- all of that. I'm- I like subscribe to all of that because I'm like, yeah. Why not? You don't fucking know. Well, you know? and
1: I, my, my hiccup with any of that is we, none of us knows what happens when we
0: die. So, like, why not be open to it all and just see? Totally. Like, we're living in, like, this infinite fucking universe with trillions of other galaxies, and you're going to tell me that, uh, that is, there's no such thing as reincarnation? Like, shut the fuck up.
1: Mm-hmm. I totally
0: agree. Okay, so you're 10. You write a letter. <laughs>
1: said we have to move to LA they're like no love you but no
0: okay
1: they said here's the Denver Post every Friday in the arts and entertainment section there are auditions for community theater if you really want to be an actor go do that and so I would start 10 years old I'd be like hello my name's Molly Burnett and I would like to audition for Chicago and they'd be like you're a child no but (laughs) I would find like little kid shows and more advanced as I got older and so I just did musical theater all over Colorado growing up and then um I went to Wagner College in New York on Staten Island for a year, but I I knew that I didn't want to go to college yet. I knew that I just wanted to move to LA and start acting, but I didn't want to freak my parents out and be like, I'm not going to college. So I pretended, it was like a slow lobbying of like, I'm going to go to school. Look at, I got this scholarship, but I'm so don't worry about me. And slowly throughout the semester, I would call home and be like, so I think I'm going to move to LA. And you guys don't have to support me if you don't want to, I'll figure it out, but I'm doing this. And they're wonderfully supportive. So they said, okay, well, fuck. All right, do it, I guess, you know, and you yeah. have 18 months. It was an 18 month rule.
0: Oh, wait, what does that mean? You have 18 months. Tell me.
1: So, he, so they basically said you have 18 months to move to L.A. and, and figure, you know, find some kind of success. Otherwise, we're just going to have to go back to the drawing board. You got to go back to school, figure out, you know, what's because they, they didn't. We, I didn't know anybody in L.A. They didn't know anybody in L.A. We, you know, nobody but yeah. crazy me thought that this was even going to work. Um so that was my they said you can move to LA you have 18 months and then um when i moved to LA it was during the first writer strike okay. which um, we're nearing another one so that's a scary that's what i've heard yeah Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on, great, great time please. great time <laughs> yeah, fun um uh i moved there during the writer strike I, I bought a book called your first year in hollywood that just like it was at the bookstore and it had the Hol- walk of fame star it's just the cheesiest thing you could ever find um, and it said do background work, and if you get featured three times, you can get your SAG card, and then that'll legitimize you to agent. So I said that's my goal. So uh, it took me about a month, but I got my SAG card. Um, and then you got a then- SAG card in a month? That's like fast, right? I, that's what I understand. I didn't yeah. know. I mean, uh, doing background work, you're privy to um, one how shitty background people get treated. So I think just like they say, you should be a waiter. Um, so that you always treat waiters kind and with respect because you know how shitty that can be. Um, I think every actor should do background work so that you understand like how shitty you're
0: treated. Yeah, man. Yeah. I did that when I first moved here too. And I was like, this sucks so yeah. bad. They don't give a fuck about you. Uh, uh, uh. But it also makes, you
1: know, like um, Marishka on SVU is so... Truly wonderful to everybody on set, including the background. And so you just—it's wonderful to see, you know, actors that get it and are kind to everybody. But I digress. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I guess it happened really fast. But you also see a lot of background actors are (laughs) bizarre characters. Yep. Yeah. The fact that I was like, I had my shit together, and I like had a goal, and I knew what I needed. Val, I needed to be featured, and blah. I think that helped people incentivize, like the poor ads that are also running around like chickens with their head cut off to be like, okay, well, we'll just feature her because she seems the most normal and she is.
0: Yeah, like how did you go about doing that? Like about uh, uh, getting like featured? What did you do?
1: Uh, I I was, I was, don't really even remember. Uh, Central casting. Yep. Remember, I would always submit for the featured background parts. Ooh, and okay. Have to go in and do like a little audition, but it wasn't an acting. Like you would just literally stand with 10 other girls and they would just be like, you, you, and you. There's so much love involved, but I did that. And um, I got to play a dead body. I got to play Uh, 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 on Criminal Minds. I was a a cheeky teenager smoking cigarettes outside (laughs) of the Um, Actually I did. So I played a dead body on the show Life. And now I was just showing my dad this. So if you go on NBC's website, I get the Law & Order SVU picture, I'm on it
0: which is so cool. It's so cool. I saw that on your Instagram.
1: It's. I still don't even believe it, to be honest, because it just seems so wild. But if you look at SVU, the show right next to it is Life um, on the list of shows you can watch on the NBC app. And I was showing my dad. I was like, look, this is the my first background. And I'm right now. I'm on the, like just a really cool full circle moment.
0: God, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that's so, that's so fucking cool. And like, it's for people who aren't actors listening, it is hard. Like this shit is hard. So to be able to have a full circle moment like that is like so incredible, such a, like a, a, just like a, in a node to like your, how you're driven and like talented and successful, but like you just didn't give up and you like persevered, which is like really hard. Like we were talking about the beginning of this episode. It
1: is, well, but, and also I think it's important, you know, because we're constantly, uh, what's next? What, what's next? I have to keep climbing, but we got to keep. So it's just as important to take a step back and go, okay, look at what I've accomplished. Let's acknowledge that and be proud of ourselves and be grateful to the universe and grateful for you know my hardwiring that helped me just keep punching through all the walls that I could. Like all of these moments are so important because if you don't appreciate the climb up, um, th- there's beauty in the struggle, right? Mm. And others- success to quote my favorite uh, artist jay cole and that's if you don't uh, appreciate the struggle then you can't appreciate the success when it comes
0: so it's so true but like how do you how do you appreciate the struggle like how do you feel satisfied in the in the move up because it's like i don't know how you feel about like when you see I'm sure you're great about this, actually. Like when you see your peers around you doing well, and you're like, I'm sure you're like their biggest cheerleader or whatever. But at the same time, it's also like, well, fuck, man. Like I've been doing this a long time too. Like, how do you, like, did you ever struggle to like pay your bills and stuff, or was that never like really an issue for you? Oh yeah,
1: I yeah. did a um, <laughs> I did a, a MLM. I, I was on Days of Our for four and a half years. And burned through my I was really good about saving my money, but I thought after days I was like, I'm gonna book some, it's gonna be I'm just gonna go straight. And there's a stigma that follows soap actors. Mm. It took a really long time to drop that stigma. And I burned through all my savings. And um one of my best friends and her um boyfriend at the time were like, We're doing this MLM and let's, you know, this seems cool. And um so we did MLM for like a year and we kicked ass like we really because an MLM like anything else you just if you work hard then you can find success um the the thing that gets scammy with MLMs is people sell you an idea that you don't have to do any work and you're just going to start making all this money and mm. that's that doesn't happen in any way but that was a very humbling MLMs are hard and embarrassing and humbling and I <laughs> had about a year of my life I'm just like oh my god trying to swallow your pride and trying to you know like that yeah there's been what
0: was the product
1: it was, it was face lotion product called nerium <laughs> I'm so triggered right now I'm so triggered and my one of my best friends Alyssa too we were just joking about it today actually just like how unbelievably humbling doing an MLM was but the reason I did it is because I tried the the face ocean and I loved it. And I was like, well, I can absolutely like sell this to people because I use it, I believe in it and here you go. And I think the hardest part is that you realize um, a lot of people aren't willing to work as hard as you are. Mm. The culture was, you know, build a team and create residual income. Um, and then you don't have to work a day in your life. And that's just not reality. And so I, I got to a place where I couldn't, I didn't want to work with anybody that I didn't think was going to put the same amount of work in, but you're, but you're, there's so much pressure to keep, but it was just, it was a, it was a weird
0: time. Yeah. So like, (laughs) I, I, it's interesting because like, I was talking to another person who like found success in their career and then, um, and then like didn't for a minute and now mm-hmm. is going back and like doing like catering stuff or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I feel so weird because like, what if I get recognized doing this thing, this mm-hmm. other thing, but now I'm here doing this. And what are people gonna think of me? And like, did you have those thoughts when you were when you were doing oh, yeah. that? I remember uh, there were
1: I uh, just you know social media things, people are posting all the time. So I remember somebody who's like, Oh, how sad she's like selling face lotion now. And it uh- <laughs> And listen, I can talk about all of it. Do I feel some shame around it? For sure. But also like I was trying to make money and I knew the end goal is to still be entertaining and um, I'll do whatever I have to do to pay my bills so that I can keep trying to pursue my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, all, that's one of the, the another cruel thing about our industry is that if you find even a breadcrumb of success and then we you don't make that much money when the agent and the manager and the lawyer everybody get their feet and the taxes um the SAG news and rent in LA is crazy and so you don't walk away with that much money so you can even find great success on a on a streaming show that's not going to pay you because streaming doesn't really pay you as well as network television and then be like shit I gotta go back to my waiter job like I gotta Mm -hmm. go wait and then have somebody be like weren't you and now you're And you just have to shut that shit down and just remind yourself that the goal is to continue to entertain. And there's no shame in going back to a linear nine to five to continue to fund your dream.
0: There's really not like I've always said that, too. I'm like, if I always have to have a side hustle so that I can continue making art, then so be it. Like, you know what? We live in a fucking capitalist society. We didn't choose to live in this in this fucking hellscape. But mm-hmm. here we are. So if we gotta do MLMs, if we gotta be a server to make yeah. our own, then we're gonna do it. <laughs> how do yeah. you how do you deal with like you mentioned like a comment on was it on social media or something that the person was like, oh, so sad. Oh, sure. All the time. How yeah. do you deal with how do you deal with that being mm-hmm. you know, some people are like, oh, I've I've found like my fans or people who follow me or whatever, like very supportive and helpful or yeah, man, I get bullied and I just have to like keep on moving. Like how have you, what what have you experienced in the like in the social, social media world?
1: Um, I, oh, I hate social media. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Me too. Um, uh, but I understand that we have to do it. So I've had to figure out a way to do social media in a way that resonates with me and feels authentic. I'll never be able to be like, sometimes I can post a picture where I think I look really pretty. But I, I, I I'm I'm not the like here's me working out and here's me in a bikini. Like I, I I what I try and do is I love football and I love musical theater and I love rap. And so I talk about those things and I try and I'm not great at posting, but I'm good at stories. Mm. So I try and engage people. Um or like I'll watch football on a Saturday and I'll have people ask me questions so we can talk about that. I I've just tried to make it as an authentic to me. Platform as I can. Um uh my character on Days was really hated. She was such a little shit. Um, so fun to play. As an actor, it's so much more fun to play an evil whatever, um, than like the sweet girl next door, in my opinion, at least. I'd much rather you hate me. Um, but that did uh put me in front of a lot of hate early on. Mm. Um, and soap fans can be brutal. Like, really you're in their living room every day. So, you know, when you get attached to a show um, like White Lotus and we feel like we know them and we love them, but it was only eight episodes and now we're done. Mm. If we watched, if there's a new episode of White Lotus every single night for years, you feel like you know these people. And so if somebody new comes on and she's a little terror and she's breaking up your beloved couple, like you just, sometimes you you get too invested and, mm. and then, you know, the lines of reality <laughs> sometimes they blur a little bit and so for me that was kind of I I'm grateful for that though because um I got exposed to that early on um which kind of helps build your uh wall of defense for later I guess yeah As to I was just a beloved character and then all of a sudden I played a character that people hated and and I didn't know
0: how to react to the bullying yeah wait so how did you get bullied like what what did that look like
1: Oh, just, um, just m- people saying mean things.
0: Like on social media? On social media, yeah. Okay.
1: Sometimes I to you in real life, which is always a, a weird... No fucking way. <laughs> this is the very first time I was ever recognized. I was at a furniture store with my mom and some woman came up to me and she's like, if you don't stop holding that shit with Max, you're going to get in so much trouble. And my mom looks at me like, who the fuck is Max? And I go, I don't fucking know who Max is. And I go, oh, my character's brother on the show. And I go, oh, you mean Melanie and and the woman kind of like she you you saw her in real time go, oh, that's right, you're not Mel, you're Mal. Oh, I'm so and then she was very embarrassed. She's like, I'm so sorry. I just get so involved in the show and you go, oh my god,
0: that's like also like <laughs> kind of like a compliment because like you're clearly doing such a good job uh, like as that character and people hate you and you're like, well, that's great because it's literally why it's written.
1: Yes, I would much, I so want you to feel something. I don't care if you yeah. love me or you hate me or, or you feel anxious with, if you don't feel anything, I think that's, that's the worst thing an actor can response that an actor can get. Yeah.
0: That's
1: like, eh, I don't know.
0: She don't, yeah, yeah. Okay. So how did days come about?
1: Um, I, uh, I had just signed with my manager. And, um, I, he was really close with an agent at innovative. And so I went over to innovative and, um, I didn't have anything on my resume and the agent, Melissa, she, I love her very much. She's wonderful. She's like, well, you don't, we don't like, you don't, we're a bigger agency and you don't have any proof that you're essentially any good, sure. but I love Shepard. Who's my manager, who I love so much. I love Shepard and I trust him and he says, you're good. So we're going to send you out on an audition and see how you do. Um, and so I auditioned for basically Nickelodeon's version of High School Musical, okay. um, called Spectacular, and I booked it. Um, the the main like the Vanessa Hutchins role, <gasps> um, and I was like, oh my god, my life is gonna change. And then they recast it the last second because they wanted a um, there was this she's wonderful actress, 18 year old Molly didn't care to hear this, but they wanted somebody that had a, a singer with a fan base because it was a singing mm-hmm. role. In the- I was and they just wanted a, a name
0: um so, that so was you my, were 18 yeah so you moved out here when you were 18 oh my god so early okay 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 um yes uh
1: so I um I lost that role and I was inconsolable and devastated and my manager was trying to talk me down and go but you innovative signed you because of this so like it's a good it's a good thing so don't you know I know you said will be more so don't worry about it um, and then a couple, like a month or two later, I got um, uh, an audition for Days of Our Lives. And the funny thing is um, I, uh, I had bought a ticket to go home for like a week because I had had a lot of auditions and I was so bummed from losing that. And I hadn't, I didn't realize yet how many auditions you were going to have and never hear anything back. Mm. I, I just assumed, you know, I'm a good actor. So I'm the more I, I'm an audition. I'm always going to hear back. I didn't realize that you'll have 50 auditions and no one will say anything to you. Okay. And so I was like, I'm pretty beat up. I'm just gonna go home for a week. I got a ticket. Um, I just need to reboot real quick. And my manager goes, you gotta cancel your tickets. You have an audition for Days of Our Lives. And me in my ignorance was like, oh, a soap opera. Like I'm so yeah. mad that I'm gonna. It's a soap opera audition. I just had all these auditions for these big movies, and I just tested for. I hate to see that evening sun go down with Hal Holbrook, and now I'm gonna do soap. Like I just didn't. So I went to the audition and I wasn't really prepared, Um, and I kind of looked like a slob. And Marnie, the casting director, who is I love her so much, she's one of my biggest. I just I love her so much. I do the audition and she goes, okay, well I don't know what the fuck that was, but it's very clear that that you have a lot of talent and that you just decided not to try this time. So I want you to come back tomorrow. I want you to be off. Fucking book, and I want you to put a fucking dress on and come tomorrow for the producers, and don't do whatever bullshit you just pulled with me today. Called me out. i had never had anybody be so like brash with me, of like, because most casting directors, you know, they go, okay, thank you, bye, right. And that's what makes marnie so special. She's invests, she cares, you know.
0: Um, but she called my ass out. Well, I'm sure she's when she's good enough to or like great enough to be like, and she knows talent when she sees it, you know. Yeah.
1: But, but she, boy, she, that was humbling. Like that was, so I went home, I studied my ass off. I went out bought a dress and went back and I ended up booking the show. But, um, you know, I needed that humbling moment of like, you know, snap out of it. Every opportunity is a, is an amazing opportunity and it doesn't matter if it's, you're a background actor on something or you're the lead of white Lotus. Like it's all art you're creating no matter what. So, you know, get your shit together yeah um, so yeah that's how days of our lives
0: came about man that's wild and like people for people who don't know can you tell us a little about like shooting schedules for soap operas yeah yeah um Dude, that's is, a fucking feat in and of itself
1: well, it is boot camp so mm-hmm. we would shoot um eight or nine episodes a week so we- fucking crazy yeah. and so, just for reference, um, an episode of SVU takes nine days to shoot forty two minutes of SVU. We would shoot two or three episodes a day during the week and just crank that you would have one take, move on, one take, move on. So it's an amazing boot camp for actors, which is why I was I was always confused by the stigma of like, oh, I don't want to hire a soap actor because when you hire somebody that's been on a soap, I know. That I can give that actor a six page monologue and they'll have it memorized in an hour. Right. You know, I can change dialogue at the last second and they're not gonna freak out and freeze or you know, they're just cause your brain works in that way now. And so you're just prepared for anything. I was was frustrated by that stigma.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, it's a crazy sketch. And we'd be done by five or six at night.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like a nine to five kind of, right? Uh, yeah. And then like, so you're memorizing pages upon pages of dialogue
1: yes
0: (laughs) that shit is crazy and like just so hard um can you was there is there a moment on days where you felt like out of your element at all whether it came to like only getting one take or not being able to memorize or not being able to if they changed a line of dialogue like you said not being able to like get that or was it were you like oh I fucking rock at this
1: I I think Days, because I grew up doing theater where you have one, you have the performance to nail it. You don't get like another take at a theatrical, you know, when you're in a musical, you don't be like, oh, sorry, audience. Let me, that didn't feel right. Let me start to like, you mm-hmm. have to be ready. So I feel like that really helped prepare me for the idea that on a soap opera, you're going to get one. You're going to get one take so I feel like I was I think I was pretty prepared
0: yeah what's the stigma that like how has that affected your career because you mentioned it but like I I'm not super familiar with it like because I guess I'm, I'm not in casting so how would I know but like what is the yeah what is the stigma and like how has how did that affect you in your career
1: yeah um I, I don't I, I don't even think I could put into words what the actual stigma is I just know a lot of my friends that have been on soap operas uh were all in agreement that there's a, I don't know because it's you're because you're doing such outlandish storylines and they're so dramatic and they're so you know they have like the long look between people at the end of the scene that feels so over dramatized but really that's just editing you're not overacting I think there was just like a oh, so-and-so is a good actor, but they're a soap actor. And this is like very, you know, this is HBO. It's very minimal or whatever it is. Um, For me, I think the harder part was I've always wanted to do comedy. That's my happy place. It's where I feel the most comfortable. And being on a soap opera meant that nobody wanted to see me for any sitcoms ever because they just Got didn't it. think do it.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Did you, have you been able to like overcome that? Not- stigma and like because you're doing you know law and order now which is another but but like a big time big time big talent big money all this stuff network drama so it's kind of like i mean yeah yeah yeah.
1: i um so i did a a show called relationship status and i remember um milo Ventimiglia is one of the producers he's wonderful and i remember i was testing for the role laura in the room um, and everybody was anxious about giving me this role because I'd never done comedy before and they just didn't, she was a very comedic character and they just didn't know and Milo was like, I, no, I'm going to fight for her. I really think she can do it. Um, and then I ended up getting a daytime Emmy nomination for it. Oh my God. <laughs> did it for a web, cause it was a streaming, it was a streaming service. What? Um, so I think once that happened, then people were like, oh, okay. I think, I think it's maybe she can. Vamp- probably- yeah. I love hearing
0: that. You're just like, fucking, you just Persevered and you did it and you didn't let anybody fucking stop you. Like, have you always been like an independent person? For like, you have. Okay. Yeah, my brother always equates me
1: to like just I just punch through. Well, I'll just keep punching whether that's a friendship or a relationship or yeah. like trying to get a job or would it like I'm I'm I'm, savagely persevering.
0: I was going to say, like, how has that affected? Like, I know we've talked about your career a, a lot. What about like your relationships? Like how has persevering or like your independence or your, I mean, fucking talent and your career, how has that affected your relationships?
1: Yeah. Um. You know what's really interesting? Um, have you been following Anna Kendrick Um. and her mm-hmm. Alice Darling press tour? I have not.
0: Okay. I don't even it's- know what
1: this is. Highly recommend okay. um, as somebody that's been in a lot of emotionally tumultuous relationships, I'm an empath. And so I attract
0: people with personality disorders. You get you track those narcissists.
1: Uh huh. Oh yeah. Borderline. Oh, I
0: know it, baby. I know that, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know what that
1: was. And I didn't know why I kept attracting these people that I, I would try and save, um, not realizing that I never could have saved them. Um, uh but Anna Kendrick talks about so Alice Darling I'm I'm dying to see it but I also feel like I'm going to be triggered so it, it, trigger warning for watching sure. it it's about this girl that has totally lost who she is because she's in a, an emotionally abusive relationship and um Anna Kendrick did the armchair expert podcast got it he revealed that she had been in a relationship with somebody who was uh, ex- uh extremely emotionally abusive and he made her feel crazy and she was talking about how do really strong successful women subject themselves to this and there's such a sense of shame of like I have my shit to get I'm I'm independent I'm strong I'm powerful um people love me how do I keep putting myself in these situations where I'm dating somebody who makes me feel like I'm an inch tall um and it's this crazy mindfuck Uh, That really you you only get through once you've done therapy for a while, and you can kind of now now I can pick out if I go on a date with somebody it takes maybe two or three dates before I can see like oh this will be bad, um I I can I can feel your personality disorder from now but I had no uh, ability to do that in the beginning for the first you know half of my dating life, um so I guess I would punch through in that I would just desperately try and save these people who were unsavable they needed to save themselves
0: it's interesting because a lot of the women that I talked to who have because I've you know I've had the same thing I've been in emotionally and physically abusive relationships I grew up with a a a parent with narcissistic personality disorder like so I I know them now I can pick them out but it's like the people the women that I've talked to who have been in relationships with these types of people they are always the, the, the strong, the, uh, dedicated, Mm -hmm. uh, career oriented, powerful, likable women. And it's because, and that's, that's why they choose you. That's why narcissists choose you because then it's like a trophy for them. It's like, I oh I can break down the person who is strong willed and, and charismatic and wonderful Then I'm fucking the man, you know what I mean? And so it's like, they seek out that, that type of personality just kind of like for the fun of it which is so fucking gross and wild um when their brains tell them that that i I also think that there's
1: probably an element at least my dad's thought on this um is that you as a as a badass you show them what they could be and so they also pick you up because you are showcasing you're mirroring to them what they could be but they don't have the tools to be that and so the more you mirror what they could be the more they start resenting you and hating themselves and shame and all of this stuff yep. It's
0: never-ending cycle yep it's I, th- I think it's a, a handful of things but I also think it's that for sure which is why like the the only thing that I have found successful is like a no con no contact with any narcissist like it, whether it's a parent or a friend or whatever it's like that's what gets narcissists the most too. Is like if they if they like you know whatever try to like out you on social media or to your friends or whatever. If you show no reaction, that's when they're like, oh, man. like, and they'll eventually, like yeah, yeah they, they want the reaction.
1: If we the irony is is if everybody just ignored Donald Trump just stop at just didn't he would lose his fucking mind. Big lose time. His mind. He, he grows the more we talk about him the more we make him the subject of every topic that's what fuels him
0: yep. ignoring
1: somebody with a personality disorder is the only way to stifle them yep one thousand so, Because your, your brain is telling you to feed in you know it's just it's a cruel
0: game it really is I, I i had to go to coda codependence anonymous just to like get a fucking handle on everything because i'm like why is this happening? Like, what am I doing? Um, it's wild. It's a wild fucking thing. When did you get into your like mental health journey or have you, has this always been something that's important to you?
1: It's all, well, we, I have a lot, we have a lot of mental health, um, things in the family. So we have a lot of schizophrenia in our family. We have a lot of bipolar. We have a lot of manic depressive. Um, it's a whole
0: bundle of fun over here. Yeah, I, Um, I get it. I
1: get it just people that are, you know life is hard life is, is fucking hard and and our family is uh particularly burdened by a lot of mental health stuff and so i just grew up wanting to i grew up seeing some parts of our family ignore that um and how hard that was and um i i just grew up wanting to um uh create a safe space for people that also either they suffer from it or they have loved ones that suffer from it to feel seen so that's always been uh, really important to me um, after my mom passed away um, 12 geez, fuck, twelve years ago uh, is when I really um, about four years after that because the first four years after a death like that you think you have everything together and and you so realize you don't um, and there was a particular relation because it's interesting because that's the truest form of abandonment even though my mom didn't want to die, she didn't choose to fucking die. But my emotional brain doesn't understand that. And so I it created a PTSD and this horrible fear of abandonment, which was also why I would choose these bad men. Um, and there's one in particular that was just a really, really tumultuous one that I was I um was like, I gotta I gotta be in therapy, I gotta, I gotta uh figure out how to get, you know, away from this. And I did um Love Addicts Anonymous yep. uh, or Roman. Addicts, I can't, I can't remember what it was called. Um, uh, but yeah, that so that was about six ish years
0: ago. Or something. Yeah, is that like, did you do um that program before or after, or did was that your therapy, or did you also have like an individual therapist? Oh,
1: I have a therapist, and she's I love her so much. She is oh my goodness, I don't know what I'd do without her. The only problem with really good therapists though is you want to be their best friend. I know, and um, you'll never be able to hang out with them outside
0: of therapy so I guess it's frowned oh yeah it's frowned upon but you know yeah I know I felt the same way I had to get I just switched to a new therapist recently because I was like fuck god damn it I'm too close to you now and I don't like I'm hiding things from you because like I want you to like which is another part of stuff shit I need to work on but I'm like but I want you to like me so I'm hiding things from you now and that's not good and so yeah I totally get that
1: it's so interesting yeah I there was a moment where I I, I wouldn't tell her I wouldn't tell her things because I didn't want her to judge me and yes. I had to, that was a barrier we had to break through where she's like then you're paying me for no reason because you gotta tell me all and she's also like as a therapist I know that things that you think and do and say are not always you it's, it's your trauma so I don't judge you but you need to talk about these things you need to get these things out um but yeah, that's one of the hard parts of therapy when you found somebody that you've worked with for a really long time is, you know, you become, they <laughs> they become
0: so close that you mm-hmm. don't want to tell them everything. So yep, that's because I was with mine for like six years and I was like, God damn it, I yeah. got to switch. Yeah. Uh, what did you, is it like talk therapy or is it specific mm-hmm. type of therapy? And, and has that helped you with, you said you have PT some PTSD issues,
1: yeah, we are, um, we are looking at maybe DBT, a little bit of DBT for some of the trauma around my mom. Um, because I did, I did this, apparently I did this thing called splitting and that's um, not borderline splitting, that's its own thing. But I did a, a version of where um, I have good access to my emotions and I'm also very open book. So I can talk about my mom dying. I can talk about the tragedy of it. I can break down what happened. I can do all this stuff, but I won't let myself emotionally feel it. Um, so I had a whole bunch of like emotional trauma built up, um, but I didn't realize it because I was, you know, I I would tell my therapist like, oh, but I can tell anybody about it. You know, I'm 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 so far evolved in the trauma process because I can talk about it all the time, and she, and she helped me realize that talking about it and and processing the emotion of it are two completely different things so that's what we're um
0: is it like a body i'm not familiar with dbt really is it related is it related to body at all or is that something different i don't even know okay okay okay
1: it's our she was on maternity leave so
0: we actually have our first
1: session back tomorrow i'm so excited
0: (gasps) that is very exciting yes
1: very exciting which is great timing because i've been very anxious all week um (laughs)
0: I know I didn't see mine for like a month because of like the holidays and I was like, yes, yes.
1: Yes. White knuckling it. Yes. Where she's going to explain kind of what DBT is, but it's for, uh, PTSD.
0: Got it. Well, I'm, I'm excited to like for that journey for you and to hear about how that goes. Um, yeah, man, what, what, would, what advice would you give to somebody going through a low point in their life? Like reflecting back on the ones that you've been through. And I am I mean, the loss of your mom, I'm so f- beyond fucking sorry to hear that. Um, But you know, it's like people need to hear advice from people who have been through it yeah. too, you know? So I'm just curious if you have any even advice or words of wisdom, or just thoughts around overcoming low points at all that you want to share?
1: Yeah, um, I think one of the most important things you can do is just find one person that you can reach out to. Um, I I can't stress enough how much, uh, how, what a game changer that is. Um, and uh, even if you just like just today, I texted my brother and I he said, Hey, I'm so anxious today. I'm just letting you know, because I knew that he would, he wouldn't try and problem solve. He wouldn't try and tell me what to do to fix it or feel better. He would just tell me, I'm so sorry and I love you and I'm here for you. And um, just remember that this too will pass. And that's, that's all I I needed in this moment. That's all I needed to hear. But the fact that I reached out to somebody makes you feel back, makes you feel connected um, to other people. And that's kind of what we're doing on earth, right? Is we're connected to each other and we need to maintain that. And that's um i I don't know if this is connected in any way but uh the dancer who just uh, committed suicide twitch oh yes that was the most jarring um uh, uh, devastating thing to to see because he it was so interesting in my worst depressive episode that i've ever had um i would watch my brother and i would watch ellen every day um and and him and Ellen's dynamic and their, their show. And the, you know, he was such an effervescent, beautiful light that he helped pull that show. And he helped snap me out of it. Um, And then to see that he was so deeply hurting that he felt like that was his only option is just so heartbreaking on such a guttural level that I, I wonder you know, I don't know. I'm sure he talked to his wife about all kinds of things. Um, but I just, like I said, the cruelest trick that mental health ailments plays on us is, um, that it's never going to get better and that you shouldn't talk to anybody about it, that you just need to live this torment in your own brain on your own. Um, and so my, my advice is just, just have one person that you can talk to about, you know, how you're feeling. Um, yeah. Therapist or a friend or a sibling or a parent or whoever it is, but just to have one person.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know what anybody's going through, you know. And it's like that's why I feel like that thing was going or that phrase was going around, like check on your strong friends or some version of that. Yeah. And yeah. it's like it's it's so true because it's like everybody's going through something.
1: So much. I also saw I because I love TikTok. I love a TikTok. Um. And I saw this, uh, I just feel like it's such a more authentic platform where people just get to be their weird, funny, it's not so curated, like insert. Anyway, um, there was a medium that was um, at a, a somebody's talk show and he was talking to people about, you know, I can see your grandma and here's what she's and I can see your dad. And these people were deeply, profoundly sobbing and you just see like the, the heartache And trauma that everyday people carry that you have no awareness of, you have no idea. And they're just, one woman was just at work. She had her clipboard and her headpiece. Cause she, you know, she's whatever talk shows assistant or whatever. And she just broke down sobbing and you just see this, this poor wonderful sweet soul who's carrying so much pain with her. We all, every person you run into has that. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's the strongest ones that are carrying the most because they're trying to trick themselves um, into into thinking that everything's okay. And I think I I guess I just want to one of the things that's so frustrating to me is when people say that um, the act of suicide is a selfish act it's one of the most frustrating things I can hear somebody say because uh, suicide is a mental illness and that person is their brain synapses are not connecting in the quote unquote linear logical way that maybe yours and mine are. And the fact that they feel like leaving this plane is the best option um, is, is not a choice. They're not, it's not a selfish choice. And so I just wanted to, put
0: that out there. I I, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. And I hope like, I hope we're getting, honestly, I don't know about our fucking society. I was going to say, I hope we're getting to a place where we can talk about these things openly more and we can change the narrative that being, for example, being like, oh, well, suicide is selfish, like changing the narrative around that, as well as just like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, the stigma around mental health and talking about it. And that's like, why i have this podcast is like to normalize normalize mental health stuff and like let everybody know like you're not alone in feeling the things you're feeling and like it's okay and like you said to reach out have one person that you can reach out to i try to say like i'm on medication medication's okay it doesn't mean you're going to be on it forever maybe you will be on it forever that's okay too um because i do feel like there's there's some people are like oh i'll go to therapy but i would never be on medication or i'd be on medication but i would never go to therapy you know what i mean
1: First of all, if you're on medication, you should be in therapy because mm-hmm. you need to be getting it from a psychiatrist. Um, and SSRIs are, uh, that was my, when I was ready to be a high school teacher or a kindergarten teacher, that was my next step is I'm going to look at SSRIs. Um And my therapist is like, honestly, right now, half my clients are on it because life is overwhelming right now. And And there's no, especially after the pandemic, like we, and we've never been more connected with our phones. We've never been more stimulated. There's never been more anxiety around us and and sometimes an ssri is the best thing you can do for yourself um uh so destigmatizing that yep is you know love to help you part of that
0: totally totally um well thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time i i, I don't want to go over too much but it's been i I want to talk to you more but i i want to value your time so thank you so much um it's been an absolute pleasure and a treat and I'm so excited to see what happens on this show that you're on fucking law and order a little show called law and order don't know if you've heard of it uh people listening but fuck yeah man that's so incredible and congratulations on on that and just like persevering baby like you're fucking doing it
1: thank you thank you so much this was such a pleasure and keep doing what you're doing because the more voices that we have you know talking about how did you pull yourself out from you know, a place that you thought you were done for is just the more we have
0: that, the better. So you're doing a really amazing thing with this podcast. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Molly Burnett. She's a singer. She's an actor. You can watch her right now on NBC's Law & Order SVU, which is so fucking cool. You can follow her on Instagram. Her handle is her name, Molly Burnett. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.